everybody. It's the uh, Pencil Nut Geeks podcast. We are back again. Uh, same crew here. I'm Jeremy Tiroff. I'm with Justin Siegel. Hello. And Daryl Patterson. <laughs> and we are uh, we're going to cover a few different things today. So uh, without any further ado, um, I would like to acknowledge our producer, Doug. And we're at the Boyle Street Recording Studio with Doug and Rubble and Fang. Uh, hanging out, and I will say, after the first podcast, I think the major uh, positive feedback we got was the quality of the sound. Absolutely, and that was the number one. Yeah, yes. so if you're, I mean, I that's the number one. I don't know what that says about the podcast. <laughs> so, As we go into the number two podcast, let's hope it's not two, number two. Right, yeah. but um, if you have recording that you need done, obviously contact one of us, and we'll hook you up with Doug. Doug does a really good job, and uh, he's really... Easy to work with. Just don't talk about politics. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so what we're going to do, obviously, I think the, the most obvious thing to start with is um, talking about the Rumble. The Rumble is arguably the second biggest pay-per-view every year. Um, it happened just last week. Uh, I was watching it with um, Justin. It's weird to call you Justin. Honestly, uh, that's I was, fine. I was watching yeah. it with Justin. Um, Daryl was supposed to come over, but he, uh, he is mangina hurt, so he didn't come over. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so I, but you still know the results and you, and you can still get a vibe for things. So, um, I'm going to ask you, Justin, first, um, what you thought about it in general, and then we can get into some specifics and kind of riff on that for a minute. Overall, <laughs> I mean, it was it was not the best rumble. It wasn't the worst rumble. It wasn't the best. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked Becky winning. Um, we both called that. We both called that. We all three called that, actually. Yes. Um, you know, as much as I called Seth Rollins winning, I, I wasn't, th- I don't know. I, I kind of was hoping at the end that Drew McIntyre or somebody might, like a, someone else might win it. I don't mind it. I get why he won. I, I agree with what was said last time that I don't think Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins, like, is an appealing main event. I felt Balor, I felt Balor winning over Lesnar and setting up Seth Rollins versus Balor would be a much more appealing main event. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, we're not Vince McMahon. Um, I thought the the, the Lesnar match, I, I, I'll give Brock credit. He made Finn look okay. He, he I mean, sure. he, he did sell more than his average. Uh, well, he's done sell. that in a couple of those David has, versus yeah. Goliath things. Like, he's done it mm-hmm. with AJ. He's done it with Daniel Bryan. Now he's done it with Finn, and of course he's going to do that with Rollins. Like that's going to be the template. Um, my only thing was after the fact, after he finally won, he went back in there and just decimated him too. Because God forbid he not get all of his heat back and then disappear for two months before he shows up for Mania and hops around and collects like a million dollars to do so. Um, yeah, that that I I I actually liked the match though. I like, I did too. No, I did. It wasn't. It was it was one of the better Lesnar matches and lately, uh, yeah, I I do feel that. I like the Finn immediately came at him too. Absolutely, like, no, that was great. Because yeah. Daniel Bryan did the opposite. He did the whole like I'm going to duck out of the ring, and he was kind of toying with him, and then got caught. Whereas Finn just went at him and but got caught. And, and he went after a legit 
uh, sore spot for Brock. I mean, Brock has had stomach issues in. Real I think that life. was an interesting yeah amount of uh, that was an interesting bit of psychology was to like throw back to his diverticulitis. Right. You know, years <laughs> yeah, later, right? right. Like, yeah. oh look, he's yeah. he's attacking him, and he had yeah. diverticulitis before. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. You're looking for. I, I mean, I get the idea behind it because you're looking for the weak spots on the the you know unstoppable monster heel. Like, what's going to make him finally succumb to anything? Um. I don't know where they go from there, and I don't know that you know picking Seth Rollins is in any way, shape, or form a better pick than Balor or anybody else who's got that, you know, who's the the lighter guy, the 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 David to the Goliath, and has wrestling ability. That's no knock on Seth Rollins. Like I I like Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is a great performer. I loved his run, um, whenever he had the world title and the U.S. title and doing that whole deal. Like I, he was he was great then he was a great heel yeah and, and, yes. and i think he can be a good face too and i think he belongs near the top of the card it's just you're talking about wrestlemania 35 and even if it's not the main event it's one of the on paper main events and you know is that a guy who you're gonna look at and go like well yeah that's that's amazing i can't wait to see that like i I'm going to watch WrestleMania. Everybody's going to watch WrestleMania because you always watch WrestleMania. It's the same reason why people are going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. I don't give a shit about either of those teams. I want the Patriots to fucking lose because it's the Patriots. And I said fucking like a Boston person. But Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are recording on Super Bowl Sunday right, for right, anyone right. who cares. And, and, yeah. but, but, like, I don't give a shit about – I have no emotional attachment to anything there. But And I, and I don't even – I'm not even a big football fan, but it's, it's the Super Bowl, so you're going to watch. And it's the same thing with anybody who's even a peripheral wrestling fan, especially if you have friends that do it. Like, it's an excuse to have a party on a Sunday and whatever. Um, my issues with the Rumble is that it was so goddamn long. Yeah, it like, was on par with that mania we were talking about where, um, I forget, was it, was it 32? 32. Yeah, it was, all, it was five, I mean, it was a five-hour Royal Rumble. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, I, yeah. I understand with the... <laughs> I understand I understand making the super shows like a little bit longer. I can understand the four hour thing and and like one pre-show match, maybe. Okay, because like you want to get a lot of people, you have a really, really, really huge roster. I mean, you've got 205 Live, you've got, you know, Raw and SmackDown, and you have a, like a women's division. You look at the women's division a few years ago, it was like 10 women. Whereas now it's like they had 30. There were no crazy surprises in the Rumble this year in the women's part. It was all roster workers and NXT people, and and that's great, that's awesome. But like, you're trying to get everybody involved in a show and cover all your bases. But like, I have no desire. I love wrestling. I have no desire to sit down and watch it for five hours. And if you include the pre-show, that shit was over. That was like six hours. Could you imagine being in the live crowd there? Like you're eating lunch and dinner. Like you're just <laughs> dying. And and it happens every show. Like that one being an exception because I was at home. But like. I'd be blind drunk by the end of that show, just going like, holy shit. Well, and that's another, a gripe that NFL has versus just changing stuff. But people, there's people that really don't like to go to those Sunday night games. You got to be up for work the next right. day, too. Things of that nature. Like right. the Royal Rumble does not need to go to midnight. No. It does not. No. Yeah. No. And I say that as somebody who, who likes that. Um, I, I, one of the things that was shocking to me, there's two things. So I'll start with the stuff I like. Um, I liked Becky against Asuka. I like that Asuka won clean. I like that they rehabbed that, and Becky had no shame in losing. That was the best match on the card. It was also, like, the first match on the main card. So that sucks to a degree um, because nothing else matched that. Um, I like Balor and Lesnar. Um, I 
you know, booking issues aside, um, there were pieces that I liked of other things. Here's the things I hated. Surprisingly, the the AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan match sucked. It did. It, it did. sucked. And I like both those guys, but and, it sucked. And it was I was twenty five minutes of, of filler. Yeah, I mean, and I wasn't real. I, I Eric Rowan being Daniel Bryan's sidekick. I mean, it's whatever. I guess I get why he needs a henchman. I guess, but uh, I and I, I'm glad. I, I like Eric Rowan. Don't get me wrong. And to a degree, I just I wasn't feeling that. Well, you could have done that on TV. Absolutely. You didn't have to take twenty five yeah. minutes on a pay per view where you just had a women's Royal Rumble that went over seventy minutes, and then put out a twenty five minute clunker to give you a cop out finish where he did a like face claw choke slam finish to AJ Styles which really shouldn't put down styles when you're kicking out of finishers left and right in all your other matches, unless all of a sudden Eric Rowan has the most lethal chokeslam that's ever happened. Um, and, and, and it was just, it was in a dead spot to begin with. They did a shitty ending. And here's the thing. I don't mind Daniel Bryan as a heel, and I actually kind of like the creative part of this, but, like, who's the face in that? Like, if his whole thing is I'm the eco-warrior dude and, like, whatever, like, I'm, I'm fighting for the environment and I have an environmental-friendly title and, like, I'm a vegetarian. But, so, like... Who is the face? Like, Ron Swanson? Like, they're going to keep bringing the guy from Parks and Rec who's like, I eat meat and I litter. Like, like you're going to turn, you're going to have somebody be a face because they, they go like, well, I litter. <laughs> like, right, like, where do right. you go with that? Where's the heel foil for that, you know? Um, I, I, I just think it was, it was really out of place and it was really awkward and it was really surprising because I love both those guys as workers. Uh, both of them as workers. I think, I think they're phenomenal. Um, I do think the Brian gimmick is funny. That's the only thing I'll say about it. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, but it's but, a world but, champion. But it's the world champion, exactly. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. want to do that. I mean, our truth gimmick is funny. Mm-hmm. Do I want to, like, would it seem out of place as a world champion? Yeah. Yeah. I think our truth gimmick is funny because it's dumb. Uh, I don't know. Um, Brian's gimmick's a little ironic. You know, it's, sure, it's really sure. him. It, that's, that is him just in a heel role. Like, he's eviling it up. There's yeah. de- there's depth to it, but, like, mm-hmm. I just don't understand where you go with it. And I agree. Point, I don't know where you go with point it. Point being, yeah. the, the match was terrible, surprisingly. I also, I really fucking hate that Shane McMahon is a tag team champion. Yeah. Oh, that Shane McMahon. First off, nobody wants Shane McMahon as a full-time wrestler. If I see him throw any more goddamn punches like that bullshit, and everything is built around him jumping through tables right. and jumping across the jumping ring across the ring into a drop kicking somebody into a, a garbage can or least, yeah besides, or a garbage can into besides somebody. Besides that shit, it's the least believable offense I've ever seen. It's all about him get like bumping around like an asshole. He can't do basic things. It was cool twenty years ago yeah. when he was doing stuff with Kurt Angle. It's old, and he's old, and and so. he doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't have. You have two wrestlers in the bar, okay, one of whom is a former world champion in Sheamus, right, who's worked his ass off there. You don't have to like him, but, like, he's put in the work, and against the right opponent, he can put on a good match. Um, You have a guy in Cesaro who fans, he's one of those underground hero types, like your Sami Zayn's or or your Finn Balor's, the guys who deserve a push and never get the push. And who can get over, but they don't let them get over. The guys who can't get over the, the glass ceiling sort of thing, right? And those two are carrying a, a guy who's not even a real wrestler and a guy who's a face who nobody wants to see as a face. The Miz was a face before it failed. 
He's terrible as a face. And this whole thing where his dad wasn't proud of him until he teamed up with Shane McMahon and showed that he could do things right. Like, get the fuck out of here. This dude's a millionaire. He was on the real world and wanted to be a pro wrestler, became a pro wrestler despite all these dudes shitting and pissing on him on the way up. And, like, that's the thing that his dad's going to be proud Absolutely. of. Is like, oh, you're a good guy now. Teaming with Shane McMahon. Like, get the fuck out of here. And, and it's so unorganic. It, it's just, it's bullshit. And it's, it's nonsense. Like, non-wrestlers getting titles in that spot. And you have the best tag team division in that company is on SmackDown. And the bar could take on a whole slew of other people and you have them jobbing out to Shane McMahon and, and The Miz. And what's it going to lead to? Shane McMahon and The Miz at WrestleMania in a singles match? Like, do you want to see that? Do you want to see that? Absolutely not. No, but that's what they're going to give us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not just the three people here who are like, oh, everything new sucks. Like, it's, there's plenty of things that they could do now. That was my other big disappointment is like they, they pushed this whole thing. They brought them, they had their lowest ratings. They brought the McMahons back. They did that thing where like everything's going to change. And what happened? Lesnar showed up, did a David versus Goliath thing where in Vince McMahon's world, Goliath always wins. You had the Royal Rumble winner be a predictable winner that nobody really cares to see in that spot. You had Becky's booking in the Rumble. It was great. That's fine. But here's the issue with that too. Charlotte's going to be, they, they build in the angle where Charlotte can complain. Because Charlotte lasted, she was the last one against Becky, and that's the rivalry. Becky wasn't in the Rumble, and Charlotte was. And Charlotte can say, well, Becky wasn't even supposed to be there, and I lasted until the end. I'm the rightful winner. Well, that's how you shoehorn Charlotte Flair into a three-way main event with Becky and Ronda Rousey, which I don't even necessarily hate. But I think it's ironic that all these people that shit on Reigns for being overpushed and Lesnar for being overpushed and John Cena for being overpushed don't bat a fucking eye when Charlotte Flair is the one woman involved in every major angle in that company for anybody. The whole reason they signed Rousey is so that they could do Rousey and Charlotte at WrestleMania. And Becky Lynch got over on her own organically way more than Charlotte Flair has ever been over. And I like Charlotte, but way more than Charlotte has ever been over. And they won't let that be. They have to shoehorn Charlotte Flair into that program because, God forbid, they don't push Charlotte Flair to every main event on everything that those women are based around. And it's a shame. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. And, and Charlotte Flair's push also is what's wrong with, like, I, you and I were talking privately once about how we used to know every champion in order, then it just became a whirlwind of title changes every day. Right. Charlotte F- Flair is a prime example of that. They would try to give Sasha the title, and two days later they had to give oh, it back God, to Charlotte Flair. Oh, God, they buried Bear. Sasha yeah, in that. Yeah, all the time. I mean, how many times? Charlotte Flair's been a wrestler on the main roster two and a half, three years, and she's had, what, nine world title reigns right, already right. probably? Right. I mean, and, and they buried Sasha in the, to get Charlotte Flair over. And I'm not even saying that Sasha's a better worker than Charlotte. I'm not, this is not a knock on Charlotte. People who want to bitch about John Cena, they bitch about his booking. Well, dude doesn't, he has, he, he the company says to you, I'm going to push you to the fucking moon. Are you going to say, no, thank Absolutely, you? Absolutely, right. Like, no, of course not. You're going to go, cool. Like, I'm going to be booked to the top of the company. It's a plus that, like, he works his ass off. And I can talk about all the good matches he's had and all the good feuds that he's had. I can also talk about how he buried Nexus. But, like, get the fuck over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and people can talk about that about Reigns. But Reigns has worked hard in the ring to get better. Like, it's not their fault that the company straps the rocket on him and decides that they're going to push him. But it's another example of how this is nothing new. It's the same old shit. You can wrap it in a different package, put different paper on it, put it in a different box. It's the same old shit. And that's what I was disappointed in. Because I'd have loved to have seen Balor score the upset win. Because you can still give Lesnar a Mania match, and you can put Balor in another match, and like you get two good matches out of it. What are you getting now? Balor against Bobby Lashley? Who the fuck wants to see that? Exactly. I, I mean, yeah. and, and like, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's shuffling around deck chairs on the Titanic. 
for lack. And it's not like this company is going to sink. But like you see it now. But it better be careful. Correct. You yeah. see it now where you have guys like Dean Ambrose where the rev- like the revival is one thing because the revival Dean Ambrose is big. Yeah. Dean Ambrose it's not even it's not even big because it's not Cena, it's not Reigns, it's not that. It's not Lesnar, it's not The Rock, it's not whatever. But it's big because it's a guy they stuck supposedly they stuck a a big raise in front of him and whatever and he was like no, thank you. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise to me, is they stuck a big raise, like you said, and he was still... There are yeah. guys who want to have some say in where they go and what they do. There are guys Good. who give a shit about yeah, the art of right. this and not just making money. Mm-hmm. There are guys... I mean, fuck. Kurt Angle had a spot in the Rumble. You know whose spot he took? Zack Ryder. Yeah, I, I heard that. Right. Yeah, that's a And shame. can you imagine being Zack Ryder where you got over... And he's not even a good... He's an okay worker. But you got over like they tell you, like, get over well, he got over. And what did they do? They buried him in a feud with Kane to get John Cena more over. Like, what favors did you do him? And then they shuffled him down to nothing. And even this, where, like, that's one of the people where people are looking at going, like, that's a guy who would jump to All Elite in a second. They took his rumble spot and gave it to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, who's not a full-time wrestler. Right. And Zack Ryder is busting his ass for this company, for better or worse, for years, and only to have everything just denied to him. And there's guys who are going to get tired of that. And, and, and imagine yours. We were talking about this earlier about jobs, right? Just jobs in general. You learn, I think, at some point that like money isn't everything, and like having happiness and being excited about where you're going and what you're doing matters a lot. And those guys have been on the hamster wheel for so long that when something else comes up, and even if it means a drop in pay, how much pay are you really going to lose? And you don't know if that doesn't mean that you can't work with other companies and do stuff. So, like, I love that and they had to acknowledge that Ambrose's contract is mm-hmm. coming up. I know. And they had yeah. to do that because of shareholders and stuff like that. Like, they have to be more public about this mm-hmm. stuff. It's not people are screaming work, but there's they have to acknowledge that for shareholders and things like that. This Rumble was a shining, shining example of how they tell you something's going to be different, and it's never any different. It's the same old story. And it's a, it's a missed opportunity because the Royal Rumble was always something that could set up storylines for a long, long, long time. It didn't do any of that. Or the ones that they did set up, not necessarily interesting. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait for Mania other than the potential. Even, even with Charlotte, like you said, Charlotte being shoehorned in. Becky Rousey with Charlotte intrigues me. Sure. The rest of I think, that. I think it'll be a good match. I do, too. I'm just saying, I hope it's the main event, too. Yeah, I hope it is the I overall it, main I event. I think it will be because yeah. it's WrestleMania 35. But I, I just I, it was an example of how... They say it's going to be different, and it's not. They decide what they're going to do, and they're going to do it no matter what the fuck anybody thinks, barring any unforeseen injuries. They're going to do, generally, the only example I can point to lately was Daniel Bryan, and that was literally because like the fans would shit on everything, every card all the time until they had to do something. And then they did, and then they stuck him in a feud with Kane and tried to bury him, and he wasn't even the main event. The main event was a shield against Evolution. 2.0. So, like, they, they weren't going to run with it. They were going to job him out to the next person, and they would have pushed strange regardless. It, it's going to be that way, no matter what. Um, and it's a shame, because I, I, I want to be excited about that company. I do. I do. Um, I wanted to be excited about this Rumble. I wasn't excited going in, so I wasn't necessarily disappointed, but I wasn't... I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right. Um, so... One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and some of these topics, it's it's hard because there's so much happening in wrestling right now. So it's really like, you know, we're going to talk about things, but we may not know everything about everything here. So that's why 
you know, Daryl didn't watch the Rumble. Well, Daryl didn't have much to say here. I expect Daryl to have some things to say here and maybe not Justin. Right. Uh, it depends. But one of the things that is getting lost in all of this is a company that's actually been around the second longest right now in professional wrestling in America is ROH. They were around before TNA, and they happened right after ECW folded, mainly because uh, Rob Feinstein was going to lose his money from his ECW house show tape, so he decided to make a wrestling company, and it, it's still here today, from 2002 to now. So it's been around 17 years. Um, the last few years, I would say, I, I'm a big ROH fan. Like, that's one of the things that got me back into wrestling, which we're going to talk about later, too. But I remember in, 20, in 2006, I hadn't paid attention to wrestling in a while, and I saw a match that blew my mind. And then I started buying, literally, at one point, I had every ROH show ever. Because I was like, I have to absorb all this. It's like all or nothing, you know? Um, and Ring of Honor, they got by the last couple of years in their booking by basically just building everything around the Bullet Club. It was all Bullet Club. Because Bullet Club was over. They, they didn't Hunter Thompson is, in my opinion, a below-average poor booker. He just is. If I said... Hunter Thompson? Yeah. I oh, I didn't know that was... Uh, or Hunter Johnson. Hunter oh, Johnson. Hunter Johnson. I was going to Hunter is Thompson's yeah, book yeah. and wrestling? No, no, no. That's why I get Hunter Johnson. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm surprised there aren't more acid-fueled no, no, no. storylines. Okay, uh, well, sorry, I mean, I mean, Delirious books like he's on acid. <laughs> yeah, true. Because it's true. really not good. <laughs> Uh, it's delirious. Okay. It's delirious, and and like, and he does these. Uh, it, it, you know, tell me one compelling storyline from um, Ring of Honor in the last two years. You probably can't. And I remember I watched back this stuff. There was a Summer of Punk in two thousand five. There was uh, you know, uh, McInnes and Danielson in their feud. There was the Briscoes and their feud with the Kings of Wrestling. There was the CZW invasion in two thousand and six. There was Samoa Joe versus CM Punk in their trilogy in 2004. There was the redemption of James Gibson, a.k.a. Jamie Noble. There's all these different storylines. There was uh, uh, Kevin Steen versus El Generico. There's breakup and Steen being suspended for a year and coming back and, and all that stuff. Um, and that was even after Gabe Sapolsky. So it's not even like just one booker who I'm like pining for Gabe Sapolsky to be the booker. It's a delir like Hunter Johnson, Delirious, hasn't done shit with a pretty good roster and a lot of those guys left cedric alexander was there and left because they didn't do anything with them uh ach was there and he left they didn't do anything with them uh, uh, big companies are always going to come calling but some of these other guys are going like i you're not doing anything with me here like keith lee left because of that and he's in nxt now D donovan djek like left and he's in nxt now they they blow every opportunity because they don't know what they're doing so they could ride on the coattails of the Bullet Club being over and being good just because they were. They moved the needle. People would show up just to see the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks. And, and of course, they're entertaining. They're gone. They're not there anymore. So what happened, and, and I'm, this is a thing. Uh, I, this could be a blessing in disguise for that company. Because once upon a time in 2004... They had the whole Rob Feinstein incident. And if you don't know what that is, go ahead and Google it. It'll explain uh, it's, it. Yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's, it's not pleasant. It's yes. dirty, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's disgusting. But um, a, TNA pulled all their talent. So all of a sudden, they didn't have AJ Styles. They didn't have Loki. They didn't have um, Christopher Daniels. They didn't have a lot of the guys they built that company around. And they did a show called Generation Next where they basically brought in all these talents. And it was Austin Aries and Roderick Strong and Jack Evans and Alex Shelley and, and all these dudes that weren't there before. Jimmy Jacobs and Jimmy Rave and, you know, talent like that they had to rebuild their roster and they did it and uh their hand was forced and they had to get creative and they the 2004 was a really creative year for them um they got better at that 
this is a situation where their hand is forced, and they have to redo their roster now because they lost at least seven guys right off the top of the head. Cody, Hangman Page, the Bucks, Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, right? And that's like part of their tag division too because the tag division was very much SoCal Uncensored and the Young Bucks. So now they've brought in some talent, and I am genuinely... I'm... I'm cautiously optimistic, mostly because I don't trust Delirious to book it well, but I'm cautiously optimistic because they brought in some really interesting talent. Um, they brought in, the first one I'm going to acknowledge because is what people are paying attention to is PCO, right? And Daryl knows about PCO, but he was surprised when I told him who PCO was because he looks very different. He's 50-some years old, and he's ripped, and his whole gimmick is this whole like Frankenstein's monster thing because his career has been reborn, Right. And PCO is Pierre-Carl Ouellette, who was uh, Quebecer Pierre um, in the Quebecers tag team back from 1994. And he looks drastically different. And he's got a pretty cool style. And they stock him with Marty Skrull right away. And he has to be 50 at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's legit. And and he's like, he is, he's not the guy he was then. Like, back then, he was actually a very underrated wrestler. There's an In Your House where he's Jean-Pierre Lafitte, that whole pirate gimmick. Oh, yes. Uh, But he stole Bret Hart's jacket, and they did an In Your House match between him and Bret Hart. And I I don't remember which number. I want to say, like, seven. And if I'm wrong, I don't fucking care, so whatever. But How dare you not know the history of the In Your House pay-per-views? Hey, Uh, there's some hidden gems on there. there And one of them is Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte. It's a fantastic match. In fact, it's the same one where the main event is Shawn Michaels and Diesel taking on Owen Hart and Yokozuna, and Owen Hart doesn't show up, and there's this whole shitty ending. But it's like every ta- every title's on the line because the tag team champs against the world champ of the Intercontinental Champ, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he's on there, and, and he had talent. He's completely repackaged himself and made this huge comeback, and um, <clears throat> it's really, really intriguing. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in him. They brought in Willie Mack. Um, who has forever bounced around in PWG um, in California, and people really liked him. He was on Impact recently. I like him. Yeah. I like him. He yeah. was in Lucha Underground and did a lot of good stuff there, so he's coming in. Um, they brought in Mark Haskins from the UK, from, uh, I want to say, the Progress Company. Um, they brought in Tracy Williams from Evolve, which is a company that I expect to get rated a lot because they're basically the stepping stone to NXT, but they want to bigger spotlight right away some of those guys there um they brought in juice robinson from japan he's one of their champions over there and he was actually cj parker in nxt oh the hippie dude yeah yeah oh yeah Yeah. isn't he vader's son he's vader's son yeah 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 and he's in a he's in a group now so they started to make these factions he's in a group with um david finley fit finley's son who was in Japan learning over there in New Japan. Um, they brought in some guys from Mexico. So there's Bandito is in that faction. Tracy Williams is in that faction. Mark Haskins. They're bringing in this guy, Rush, and this, they're bringing in Dragon Lee. And Dragon Lee is insanely good. Uh, they brought in Zack Sabre Jr., who's been an indie guy. Oh, yeah, forever. yeah, yes. He's like your submission specialist, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan liked, no yeah. pun intended, because yeah. he weighs probably 70 pounds less yeah, than Daniel yeah, yeah. Bryan. But, but he's, a, but he's yeah, an amazing yeah. he's wrestler. Great. He's an amazing yeah, wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yes. They brought in PJ Black, who used to be Justin Gabriel in the right, WWE. Right, right, who was, who was um great high flyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they brought him in, and they brought in Brody King. Outstanding. Yeah. Jethro, I know you're, you're creeping <laughs> in your jeans right now. Well, he's a California guy, <laughs> and, uh, and he can do, He he's a guy who can like, for his size, is very agile, can do a lot of the brawling style and that sort of thing, but can also actually really wrestle. 
so I'm I'm really intrigued by it because they they took these guys out and now they kind of have to push the guys they've had there for a while anyways guys who deserve it guys like Silas Young guys like Shane Taylor guys like Kenny King guys like Jeff Cobb came in there and Jeff Cobb is like a killer I mean I look at their roster now and I'm actually like I'm more excited than when the Bullet Club was there now it's on them to not drop the ball like what do you want to see in ROH now Daryl. You know, the new additions are very solid. I think mm-hmm. that, I really, I think they've got a perfect mix because I think mm-hmm. they have a good baseline already with Jay Lethal and Briscoe. I love Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal is the most underrated guy in professional wrestling right now. Um, you know, but certainly he's been around. So mm-hmm. you, need, you need some new blood. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I like what they're bringing in. I, I think Matt Taven is, I, I dislike him personality-wise. Uh-huh. Sure. But, I mean, he's, 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 he's a star. He's working his ass off to be that guy. He is. He is. I, I think that he's had some unfortunate injury issues that slowed him down Absolutely. every time he started to get anywhere. Yes. Same with Dalton Castle. I love Dalton Castle. Sure. I love Dalton Castle. But, like, dude is so banged up, yep. you know, and that's that's part of the risk in that style. Sure. Um, so, you know, I mean, I just, I want to see them succeed because, you know, I would hate, I would hate for the All Elite thing to 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 just cripple everybody else sure um you know obviously i want them to succeed as well right um but i think there's enough room for everybody to be successful too maybe not impact i think is going to hit worse than anybody in that and i think lucha underground is basically going to not exist right they were having trouble getting each new season out there anyways so but i i didn't mean to interrupt oh no 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 but uh, you want them to succeed and 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 you know I, it's I, the I think a big wild card for them really, and a wild card for wrestling period is, is going to be what New Japan decides to do going forward. They said they're going to stay working with Ring of Honor. Okay. That's what I heard. That's what I, I heard. Uh, okay. They're, they're going to keep that alliance and not work with all elite. I wasn't sure. Yeah, they had a. They okay. had a, apparently they had a meeting where all three right. companies sat down and talked, and New Japan walked out of it deciding to work with Ring of Honor. Now whether that closes the door entirely entirely to all elite, I don't know. Sure. But they said they're they're working. But but here's the thing. So I like, I love New Japan, and I think honestly that helps their attendance numbers. It helps their DVD sales because they're they're not a company that's making a shit ton of money off of pay per view. They're not a company that's making a shit ton of money off of merch. Right. They're a company. And they don't have a built in network where they make you know fifty million dollars a month immediately. Um, they are a company that gets by in a very old school sort of way it's attendance it's live gate and it's it's you know they're they're, they're not ratings oriented because it, they have a different time in every city sure because that's that's how that channel works um but they are very much on attendance and and those new japan guys coming in bumps their attendance like crazy and that's great that's good for business my knock on it for business is they always bury their guys at the expense of the new japan talent always 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 and that gets tiresome because you're never going to look as good as that company. You know, there's no way, and I know they're on different levels, but there's no way that WWE would bring in New Japan and have their guys jobbing out the vast majority of the time. That doesn't mean that New Japan guys don't put over of course. the ROH guys, but, like, the majority of the time, it is not, it's not happening that way. And, and that's their business relationship. And that's because Japan is very much, they're still very much kayfabe. Like they they protect everything over there still yes. a lot more than they do in America. So I get that ROH would go like, 
well, fuck it. They bring a live gate. So, like, who cares who wins and loses? But, like, over time, you get tired of being the bitch in a relationship. Sure. You know? Um, that's a really terrible way to put that, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, whatever. We're talking frankly. Um, I mean, it, that is an interesting... And, I, and I, it, you know, who knows? They could change their mind. I don't know that there's anything set in stone that they their working relationship is, like, entirely locked in. But that's what I was led to believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with the tag division because right now you have the kingdom, you know, without Taven, uh, Marseglia and uh, TK Marshall. And you might be able to like throw together some guys from, what is it, Lifeblood is the group that's, it's, it's, it's Bandito and Robinson and Finley and Haskins and Williams. And, and there's a female in there too. I can't remember that. They're also re- like building up their women's division, which I like too. Sure. Um, but I mean, you could throw together a tag team there. I guess you could put together you know, PCO and Brody King with Marty Skrull being the singles out of that. But like their tag division is really going to be suffering for a minute here. Yeah. Cause there's no real stat. I mean, it's what, um, the beer city bruiser and that <laughs> Brian, whatever do you like <laughs> two fat guys and you got cheeseburgers team and then you got like, don't clown cheeseburger. You, uh, you got, uh, no, no, no. I like cheeseburger. He's the spike Dudley of ROA. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you've got the boys, Dalton castles guys. Like nobody looks at that as a real, like the boys sure. aren't going to take the titles off of the briskets. <laughs> You're not going to have like, um, uh, who am I thinking about? You, you have the best friends, which is Chuck Taylor and Trent, uh, whoever. And, and that's a good tag team. But like, that's going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. You're going to the, the thing that the thing is they're going to get by for a while on fresh unique matchups. Sure. Like people are going to be like, "Yeah, I want to see Bandito against Jay Lethal. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen here. You don't know what to expect. It's the unexpected that's exciting." But after a while, if there's no cohesive storylines, if there's no guys that they're deciding like, "Okay, this is the reaction they're getting. This is who we need to push." Then if they're not listening to their fans, they're not going to get much out of it and eventually that'll stagnate. That's my concern there. Sure. That's, that's booking 101 with any right. company, you know? I mean, you you can get by so long on name value. Brock Lesnar being a prime example when he came back. I mean, it was like Brock Lesnar. Now it's like, you know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, bounce around, throw some suplexes, <laughs> act like you're gonna lose, win. It's all over. Throw That's more it. suplexes. Act right. Like, act like a dick. Yeah. Right. 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 And then go back and like you know and and fight people in the back too like an asshole. But I mean, you, get, you get a couple point. stupid looking tattoos. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, right, right. Penis, giant, chest, giant penis, chest, dick. Yeah. Uh, you know. And, um, I mean, so like on one hand, I'm excited on the other hand, and, and I'm totally curious, but on the other hand, I'm, I hope that Hunter Johnson is up to the challenge of making a compelling booking to make these guys mean something instead of just going like, look at Zack Sabre Jr. doing some weird yes, submission, yes. you know? Well, let's hope Hunter Johnson channels his Hunter Thompson and comes up with some unique storylines. Yeah. I would hope. I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I'm saying that as a longtime Ring of Honor fan. Like, I, I liked Ring of Honor because it, it changed for me whenever they started to do a lot of the schmoz finishes and a lot of the stuff that was, like, very sports entertainment. They weren't that. They were the guys that gave you clean finishes that did, like, you know, Joe versus Punk was big because the first two matches were hour-long draws. Like you don't get that anymore. Oh no! Right, and and but it wasn't boring. It wasn't an hour to go for an hour. Like it was sure. It was compelling and interesting. You had different factions that meant something, like Generation Next that I talk about, which is Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, Jack Evans. Like they were like we're here, and immediately out of the gate, just were like we're taking this over. And it wasn't some contrived thing. It wasn't where you couldn't distinguish the message. They were like, we're here because we intend to 
be this company, you know? Um, they had co like coherent storylines too. And that's important in the business. You can't just throw, you can throw good guys out there doing good matches all the time, but like that only gets you so far. Sure. That'll give you a niche audience. You don't want to appeal to a broader audience. You have to give people a reason to care. Like that's, that's part of why I love wrestling is because you have to convince thousands of people to give a shit about two dudes <laughs> pretending to fight. Right. You know, and to write something like that, that's like, that takes talent that people don't understand from the, both the performers and the people who are like pulling the strings there. Sure. Um, Hunter Johnson sucks at pulling the strings. So I hope he fucking gets his head out of his ass and does better. Kind of leaves the door open too for maybe two, uh, you know, middle of the road uh, singles guys to maybe, you know, tag for up sure. and, and for sure make waves in the tag team division. So for sure. Wide open. So, I'd, I'd love to know, see that. Might I'd, be something to keep an eye on. And that for. sort of thing is what excites me about wrestling. Right. Yeah. Right. Like if, if you tell me that Bandito and Rush are going to team up and now you have these like two good, you know, Mexican high flyers taking on the Briscoes. Like, sign me up. <laughs> and, like, the story writes itself. You can get a little edgy with that because, like, the Briscoes are kind of dirtbags. Okay. You know what I mean? And, like, if you you see what I'm saying, though. Like, you can you can straight up make it very, like, you can make the Briscoes heal pretty quickly in that shit, you know? And I'm not saying that that's what they should do. I'm just saying, like, story writes itself, you know? You've got, you've got things that, like, like, Silas Young's character is, like, the real man's man. And then you've got Juice Robinson running around with, like, dreadlocks and hippy-dippy shit and all this stuff. And he could be like, you're not a real man. Well, there's yep. your story. Like, yep. prove to me you're a oh, man. Yeah. And then he beats the piss out of him. Like, it's not hard. Now, where you go from those beginning points, that's where it's difficult. But, you know, I, regardless, I, I'm, I'm honestly... It sounds counterintuitive, but I am actually far more excited about watching Ring of Honor now than I was when the Bullet Club was there. Sure. No, I totally get it. I it's, mean... It's new and it's different, and that's something I want. Yeah. Like, other guys in prominent spots where it's not just falling back on, like, well, these guys move the needle. Because I'll be honest, um, I, I can't pinpoint the time frame exactly, but uh, when Styles came through there for a minute and, mm -hmm. and left, and then uh, Steen left, and... You know, there there was a pretty, not maybe a mass exodus, but uh, sizable talents yeah. all leaving. You know, pretty much one behind the other. Yeah, and, and and leaving sort of the same scenario, and and they 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 recovered and and mm -hmm. picked it up, and you know they're they're here today. Well, they'll so, always recover just because guys want to be there. Sure, what they do with those guys determines whether they're an okay company or a really good company. Sure, you know, like. If you say to an indie guy, like, well, you know, ROH is calling, you're going to take that call. Oh, yeah. You're going to work for them. You know, I mean, fans now, wrestlers now, if you say between, you know, TNA or ROH, where do you want to go? They're going to pick ROH because you know that they're on TV every week and they're seeing way more than impact. Oh, yeah. And you know that you're going to have more dates at the very least. And more dates means more paydays and things like that. So... You know they're the number two company, and it's a distant number two. It's a, it's a huge, vast difference between one and two. Sure, but that's the number two company in America. So, just make Mandy Leon my valet, and, <laughs> and the deal is sealed. The deal is sealed. Put it in the contract. <laughs> uh so one of the things that we were going to talk about because we talk about wrestling in general, but we don't talk about like what 
like our our opinions with certain things. I like where we talk about current things, but I also like where we like we're older guys. Like we're in the same three year age range here, essentially. Seventies babies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we grew up on the same stuff, and we got into it at the same time. Like I, Justin's my best friend, and uh, one of the first things that we really connected on was wrestling stuff. Absolutely, um, because I mean, it's it's a basic. It's like how some people talk about like their favorite football teams and things like that, and can talk and debate about that. And you have memories of things like that. I've known Daryl since middle school, actually, and one of the things I can remember about back then was talking about wrestling. And we we didn't talk for years because life happens. I'm you're you're we we're in our early forties now, and um, and you reconnect, and you're like, this is cool. We can pick right up and talk about this stuff. It's it's uh, and it's always interesting to. Uh, all of us, really, I think, because it's what we grew up on. So we're going to provide some, like, historical things and some some opinions on that. So um, I started with you last time. I'm going to start with Justin. So we were talking about who's a guy who you thought or think could even be current, but somebody who you thought really deserved, like, a, a run in one of the big companies, whether that was... I'm not talking about the AWA in their dying days, because that's really when we started watching AWA and that sort of stuff. I mean, they were dying on the vine. Vince was taking all their talent. But I'm talking like WCW, WWE, even like Crockett towards the end of when they started to flip to WCW. So I was thinking of like somebody who you think should have made it, but for whatever reason, never, ever did. So who are some people for you? Okay. There's two guys I want to talk about. One's past and one's current. The past guy is Gino Hernandez. I love that pick. And, I do. Um, we were talking about that, so we knew it was coming, but I love that Talking about pick. it earlier. Now, his circumstances, unfortunately, maybe he could have, because unfortunately Gino's biggest problem may have been his demons, or it was his demons, yeah. and he died way too young, as a lot of those 80s guys did. Um, he he, he was died in a very 80s way, too, too for people who don't understand. Massive cocaine. Cocaine overdose. overdose. With like a Scarface punch bowl, apparently. Yeah, he had a candy table. jar on his yeah. table of his apartment that was filled to the top with cocaine. And but but there's a lot of controversy about how that happened too. We sure, can talk about yeah. weird wrestler deaths on a different podcast. Yeah, it's almost like there's talk of an execution style cocaine. He was overdose. in too deep with a dealer yeah, right. and stuff like that. But so. that's that's a whole other um, topic for another day. I think with him, he had talent and he had charisma. He he was very Tolly Blanchard in a lot of ways to me. Mm-hmm. And I, didn't they team? They were. Yeah. They, yes, they, they they wrestled they, for Joe Blanchard, Tolly's dad. Right. Southeast Championship Wrestling, I want to say, or something mm-hmm. like that. It was South Texas. I don't remember the name of it. It's a Texas company. There were the Blanchards, the Funks, and the Von Erics, all in the Texas circuit. And they were tag team champions for Joe Blanchard's company. You can yeah. still pull up the pictures of them with the really ugly-ass titles. Oh, those horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. those belts. I, he just he was a total package. I, mean, I think he would have thrived more in Crockett because yeah. Vince would have ruined him in some way or another. Maybe. He would have been too small. Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't Way too enough. small. Yeah, so I really liked him, and I loved his stuff in World Class, the dynamic duo like we're talking about. Chris Adams is another guy, although I, I'm a, more of a Geno fan than Chris Adams. Yeah. A guy who's more modern... Um, and this may have been this is probably even past WCW. I I really like Homicide, and um, I always okay. like I just thought he was he's a great talent. I thought he could have went somewhere, and um, just never did. You know, I am that. not. It's here's the weird thing. Yeah. So I'm a big Ring of Honor fan, mm-hmm. and that's where Homicide really really got big. Mm-hmm. Like in 2003, I loved his feud with Steve Carino. Those matches were violent and like honestly disturbing. Like the, he he had a match where he slapped Carino on the ear. And literally ruptured his eardrum. Like, 
messed up his hearing for the rest of his life. They had forks and barbed wire and all that. And, and they had the fake pseudo riot at the first anniversary show in ROH. Homicide's a guy who created a lot of memories because he was kind of fearless and kind of reckless. He was like a a, a step up a new Jack in some ways. Uh, or a new yeah. Jack that could actually yeah. wrestle. Yeah, right, right, yeah. I didn't yeah. have to just do stuntman shit. Um, but I, I just never got into him. I, I like the the LAX tag team with, her, uh, with I like Hernandez yeah, because I you had the too, big yeah. muscle guy and then the high flyer guy right. and Conan. I fucking hate Conan, but he was actually like a good mouthpiece for <laughs> right, that team. Right, right, right. Um, I for whatever reason and and Homicide's been in some really cool shit. Like one of my favorite Ring of Honor wrestling cards was Final Battle 2016, where he finally won the ROH World Title from from Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan. And the whole card's amazing. You've got the Briscoes and the Kings of Wrestling and and, and uh, some of the guys from ja- Dragon Gate Japan and things like that. And that was the main event. And it was it, it was incredible. And it was in, in New York, which is where Homicide's from. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I think he just he fell so sharply after LAX. Like when Hogan came into TNA and they did the. The escape Big the cage, cage all that. Where, where was it? That's the one where he just hung at the top. Yeah, because he was trying. Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to like hang there and do a pull up and pull himself out. But like it was, <laughs> there's like one dude in a hundred that could do that thing. And Hogan's like, just book it, brother. You know, and uh, and like and didn't think about the logistics of these guys trying to literally pull themselves out of a cage from twenty feet up in the air, doing a pull up and like getting the legs out somehow. And Homicide was just hanging there trying to get out of this cage. Um. I, I I don't know. I, I think his character was kind of like one dimensional too. And I liked a lot of his stuff. Like he had a great feud with Colt Cabana. He had a, two different feuds that were great. He had a great feud with Samoa Joe. He, he would bump. He, he, for a guy who was that small, he was actually kind of like scary. Mm-hmm. Um, great finisher too. Oh my God. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. cop killer is one of the best finishers in wrestling. I think I put it as number one. On my, I think you did too. Uh, in yeah, my finishers. Yeah. Great finisher. Um, I like that choice, but I don't know where he would. I mean, if he came in at like when WCW had their cruiserweight division. Well, that's what I mean. That's that's why I said maybe it was a little bit, little too late yeah. for him because yeah. I don't see him fitting in with with WWE. Mm-hmm. I don't. But I could have seen him fitting in at WCW cruiserweight. Undersweight. Unfortunately, it, it would have been buried on I could undercard. Have seen, I yeah. could have seen LAX finish like fitting in on WWE. Yeah, for yeah. all of six months before he would have Hernandez turn on him and then just take yes. Hernandez yes. as a single. Because Hernandez would become the next. The, yeah. Low rent Batista, right, right, yeah, right, 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 and and he was terrible. Like Homicide carried that team, and I love that team. But, um, I, I like I like the first pick. I love Gino. Yes, like I love the dynamic. Do I think that's the most underrated tag team in wrestling history? Gino was such a good shitty cowardly heel, but he was also like an awesome worker. He could bump like a champ. He had a great look. Like, great, oh, great look. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there there are promos where they were driving up in like a what a, a, a Porsche. Mm-hmm. Him and Chris Adams, and Chris Adams is like wearing his fedora and going like, "Ah, mate," you know. Yeah, they <laughs> almost, in some ways, could out horseman the horsemen. They were trying. Of, to. Yeah, they were trying they were to. Trying yeah, to. right. I mean, that was that was very much a that could have been Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Absolutely. And the Tully Blanchard mm-hmm. um, parallel is really good, but I, I would say that Gino even had a better look than Tully. Oh, absolutely. No, he's. Good looking, you know, yeah. and it's funny they were both at one time managed by Baby Doll yeah. too, which is interesting. Totally, t- totally, uh, very, and and it's funny too because Tully Blanchard got fired. Uh, he was leaving the. Oh WWE, yes, yes, was getting yes. hired by WCW and didn't get hired because he failed a drug test because yeah. of cocaine. Cocaine, yes, yes. Cocaine's uh, a hell of a drug. Uh, man, right? something about those Texas boys. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh yes, yeah. that's but, a whole. Other that's podcast. a whole other podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Daryl. 
I'm going to go, and I, I will preface it by saying I understand why. Um, and, and I think he did actually have a uh, an NXT or a WWF run. Um, so that may disqualify him, if so. But Bram, I, I just really loved Bram in TNA. I think he was in NXT for a really, really short time. I I like the character. You know, he was his own. That doesn't register on the oh, ra- no. radar for me either of WWE or WCW. Like, so I, I, I mean, well, obviously not WCW, but that right. that doesn't register on the radar for me even as a. He, he was really interesting yeah. in in TNA. He I, really, really was. Uh, he could wrestle that hardcore style that, that yeah, a lot of people like, yeah. present company included. Sure. Um, and he could wrestle a regular match too, but he. He's a dirtbag. Ab- no, like I said, absolutely. <laughs> I- I'm talking strictly in ring. Yeah, but in ring, know, I like the pick. I like that you know, pick in, in ring, ring and on yes. I- and on the mic. Yeah, I- he yeah. he shot. You know, he was. Uh, uh, I hate to say loose cannon, but that's the first thing that comes to sure. mind. You know, sure. maniac. Uh, he had uncontrollable that aura, kind that of guy. aura of of you didn't know what was going to come next. Absolutely, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Kind yes, of thing. yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he just he just. He just had the look. I mean, he had crazy long hair. He had a crazy unkempt beard, mm-hmm. but he was in shape. He yep. was, you know what I mean? And yeah. it just, I, there was just something about yeah. him that I said, man, I, like this guy could be a star. And again, I understand why he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he got, he got in trouble for beating up his girlfriend. Right? Absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. I think he was married to Charlotte uh, for a little bit and they divorced because of that. Yeah, he, he was abusing her. So again, I'm not. No, I know you're not you defending know, that sort of thing. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like you, that's that's you could go through. Oh shit, we could do a five hour podcast about <laughs> all the guys in wrestling history who had all the goods and wasted their talent. Oh, and yeah. Fucking Gino Hernandez, who we were just talking about, is a great example. Of that dude had everything in the world, and he was young as hell too. Yeah, he was, was he was 20s. he thirty? Yeah, I was no, say he was in his twenties, maybe twenty eight. Yeah, I think he was twenty eight whenever yeah. he OD'd, uh, like OD'd. And even if he didn't OD, like you're running in the circles where you're putting yourself in a position where somebody could kill your ass. And he you're was apart. probably on borrowed time, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and they yeah. talk about that in all the documentaries with that. And a guy like Bram, like you can have all the tools, but he's a fucking idiot. If oh. you're, uh, like, yeah, God, give a normal dude. There's tons of guys who are like. Good human beings who love the business, who could work their ass off in a ring, but didn't have his look and never got anywhere. Sure, you know, give a give a guy like Nick Dinsmore, the guy who played Eugene, <laughs> give him Bram's look and his body, and like, yep, you know, then you have the guy who would actually use that sure. and not look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, I understand. I like. I I do like the pick though. I do. I I, I think it's a great pick. He. He, if if he hadn't have fucked up his life so bad, yeah. he would have he would have at least been something, something right? There. Uh, and and in case he's disqualified for having been in NXT for a week, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I then my my alternate was uh, Abyss, who looks like he probably is on his way. He's an agent. Uh, he's not, he's not okay. going to be in the ring. I see. Okay, he's going to be a backstage agent. And funny enough. I understand why he didn't as well because I've I've seen where he was uh, you know offered uh, I believe to uh, square off with Undertaker uh, a few years back and he preferred to be the big fish in the small pond. Yeah, sure. he's always so, been TNA you know, sting kind of way. I, he's sure. been there since yeah. day one. You know, yeah, so more right. power and, to him. Yeah. Um, you know, and I he, get why he wasn't, but I just he has the look again. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Uh, he's agile for a huge mm-hmm. guy. Um, He'll put his body through hell to get something oh, over. Yes. So, you know, and, and I mean, he's, uh, 
And, and then it, 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 it brings or, or presents the opportunity for a decent manager as well. Sure. He can hold his own on the mic, but he's that kind of guy you don't want really on the mic. He's sure. like a Sabu. Oh, his you know? his Joe Park character was really good too. Sure, sure. And it showed depth, like he could do any sort of thing. I mean, you're talking about two polar, distinct, opposite characters, oh, yeah. and it's the one guy doing it. Right. Like that was actually compelling for a while until they ran it into the no. ground. <laughs> but that's TNA. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, my pick, and this is something that they actually just did something about, is Nigel McGuinness. Mm-hmm. It's it's a thousand percent Nigel McGuinness. And WWE just did a, a behind-the-scenes documentary sort of thing about it. And if you haven't watched it, watch it, I, I, especially if you have the network. It's, it's an hour or so. It's totally worth your time. But he actually did his own documentary on it called The Last of McGinnis. And it's because he had to hang it up. Like, talk about bad luck. This dude worked his ass off. Worked his ass off in Ring of Honor. Um, and put on, I mean... That 2006 thing that I was talking about with Ring of Honor that got me into it was him and Brian Danielson in the UK wrestling on a show called Unified, where they were unifying the ROH world title and the uh, pure title. And I've never seen a match that was both so scientific and so brutal at the same time. This is one where he has both of his arms, Daniel, Brian Danielson. I'm going to bounce between Daniel Bryan and Brian Danielson. So like, cut no, yeah, side. yeah, right, right. Um, he has both of McInnes's arms, and he pulls them into the ring post. So there's no hands going up to block this. He takes three shots off of his head. He's got this giant egg on his head, and he's pouring out blood. And like he's firing up later, and they're flipping into the crowd, and they're going everywhere. But then they're in the ring doing these submissions, and then like these headbutts, and it gets stopped with like elbows being thrown by Daniel. It's it's an amazing match. And I watched that, and I was like, shit, I got to order a pay-per-view. So then I ordered ROH Driven in 2007, and the main event of that one wasn't supposed to be Brian Danielson and Nigel McInnes. They had done a different show, and then they filmed it, and they liked the match so much that they put that on the end of the actual pay-per-view show, and that match was even better. Some people would say it's not as good, but I say it's even better. So these two had this great series, and then I started watching Ring of Honor, and then I saw him against guys like Kevin Steen and El Generico and Takeshi Morishima, and, um, and Claudio Castagnoli, who became Cesaro, and Chris Hero, who became Cassius Ono, and Austin Aries, and great matches there, like Rising Above 97. He's the guy that made Tyler Black a star in Ring of Honor, who went on to become Seth Rollins, who's going to main event your WrestleMania 35. So think about this dude, who literally right now, his contemporaries, Cesaro was just a tag team champion, Daniel Bryan is the world champion, uh, AJ Styles was in the company with him, and he's a star over there. Um, Seth Rollins is going to main event of WrestleMania, and that's a guy who used to take on on the indies. Right. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, all these dudes are guys that he came up with, and he was arguably more talented than any of them except maybe AJ and Daniel Bryan. Maybe more talented than any of them. I and, love that pick, by the way. I oh, love your pick. Yeah, I, 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 he, he totally was off my radar. He yeah. is... He is if you haven't seen his work, seek out his work. He wrestled a European style and he mixed it with like your stiff Japan style, which is what undid him. He had concussions. But the biggest thing was, here's the most heartbreaking thing. Him and Brian Danielson got signed by WWE at the same time. They took their physical. He was honest on his physical. And Daniel Bryan, uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson said in the documentary, he's like, I wasn't honest on mine, which is why I got hired and he didn't. Mm. he had a bicep that he tore in the company. And the reason he tore a bicep is because literally he would clothesline the shit out of people all the time. And it tore off the bone. He couldn't afford to get the surgery, and he was world champion at the time. So he just took some time off, let it heal, 
it healed fine. He worked through it and kind of minimized those moves, did some other stuff. Um, and then at the end of his championship run, he tore the other one. So he had to sit out. He jobbed out the title to Jerry Lynn, of all people. <laughs> sat out, let them heal. Comes back. The WWE wants to hire him. He tells him on the, the, the uh, physical before it, he's like, oh, I tore my biceps. I didn't get surgery. But they healed, and it's fine. And they said, well, you have to get surgery. And he said, well, my doctor. And he literally got his doctor that was like, there is no reason on the earth to have this surgery unnecessarily. They're healed. They're fine. But they said, we can't trust that. He needs to have the surgery. They weren't going to pay for the surgery, and he couldn't afford the surgery. Mm. <laughs> right? We're talking yeah. like $10,000 or something like that. Let's yeah. say eight to $10,000 for a guy who's working the indies. Couldn't oh, afford- eight to 10000 minimum, <laughs> okay, I right, would right, say. Right. Yeah, so he yeah. couldn't afford that. And even if he could afford the surgery, if he got it done and came back to them, there's no guarantee that they would hire him still. Right, absolutely. So TNA, he calls them, and they offer him basically the same thing to go there. So he goes there, and he's working with Kurt Angle. And if you go and look, he's under the name Desmond Wolf now. If you go look at Desmond Wolf against Kurt Angle, those matches are phenomenal. Phenomenal. And everybody knows that Kurt Angle is one of the greatest workers ever, right? He's in there, move for move with him, like stealing the show. And then Hogan comes in and he bumps him into this whatever division with. Like, London Brawl. Oh, was it? Yes, yes. So, <laughs> and that's because Hogan's a fucking idiot. Right. But, um, <clears throat> but he's there and he gets hepatitis B. Mm. And... The ways that you get that is um, sharing a needle, which he says he didn't do, unprotected sex, which he says he didn't do, or blood. When you're in a ring in the Indies all over the place bleeding. And they that's that's his thing. Like, he actually came back in ROH as a commissioner figurehead announcer kind of thing, and they had matches where there was blood, and you could see him visibly, like, freaking the fuck out and walk out mm-hmm. because he was like, this is so unnecessary, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Because um, he's got, he's become a big advocate for like removing that from the business, mostly because it's just completely unsafe. Because he got Hep B. Well, Hep B can take care of itself, mm. right? Except in ten percent of the cases, he he was in that tenth percent mm. that it didn't just go away. So he had to get the medication. The medication was thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars, absolutely. Right. So he and no insurance. Which, on a side note, that's why it's great what AEW is going to do with insurance. Yeah. But not to, not to get sure. off another subject, sure. but go on. Yeah. Okay. So he he basically was like, I can't afford this stuff, and none of these companies are going to have me back. And TNA fired him, you know. And I mean, I get it. Small company, you can't use him, you can't pay him not to be there. So they fire him, and he's like, I'm done. So he does a tour to end it all, and that's it. He's an announcer now on NXT, and he does a damn good job because he was a hell of a talent and understands that sort of stuff, and he can sell the match. It, that dude was was so talented, and if he had made it to WWE... He would have been at the very least a damn good, like solid mid card hand intercontinental U.S. title level. Not saying he would have been a world champ, but he would have been there. Um, my second one after that was I would have loved to have seen. He was in the NWA and whatever. But we were talking about this Bruiser Brody in the WWF during yes, the height of Hulk absolutely. Hogan's run. Mm-hmm. During the height, because here's the thing: they they would stick all these scary giant dudes in front of Hogan. Which is weird. They're doing David versus Goliath with Goliath. <laughs> so it's like Goliath versus bigger Goliath. And um and they they you know, it was the superhero cartoon thing. Brody was a guy who was huge and scary, and he was scarier than fucking King Kong Bundy. He was scarier than than uh anybody else that you want to talk about there. Like Bruiser Brody was legitimately like a scary dude. Oh, absolutely. Horrifying. And him against Hogan during the height of Hogan's popularity, like that would have drawn, it would have been, and he's a guy that could work. Mm-hmm. Like, he could work with a guy like Hogan. 
you'd have to worry about him like pulling some bullshit. Well, that was my thing with him. Like Brody was like the ultimate original like union kind of guy in some ways, and I don't know how that would have mixed in like corporate Vince world. Well, Brody. That's why Brody jumped from territory. Ask Jesse Ventura. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's why. That's why. That's why Brody jumped from territory to territory. He he knew his worth. He knew he'd be a fresh draw every place that he went. That's why he didn't sell for everybody because it meant a big deal if you could even knock him down to one knee. Like he knew what his character was worth, what he was worth, and he didn't take shit from anybody in an era when everybody had to take shit because that's what the promoters did. Brody def- like defied all of that. Um, even if you didn't like his wrestling, like just and and Nick Bockwinkle said it best. He's like, and everybody recognizes Nick. Nick Bockwinkle was a fantastic wrestler. Nick Bockwinkle said he was one of the three best wrestlers I've ever worked with, and he was also the biggest pain in the ass I've ever worked with. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Like you know your worth. Mm-hmm. You know your worth. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can do. Like fuck that. Stand up for yourself. I love Bruiser Brody just based on that. Yeah, and it got him killed. Yeah, it, it I, that's that's what I say. Unfortunately, it was probably his undoing. Right. And, I mean, it got as him sad killed. as that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been huge. Mm-hmm. Well, he's uh, one of the great. extreme few that you could say also though didn't need it. Right. He's yeah. Ten yeah. grand a week right. on the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah, in Japan, in Japan too. He. <laughs> you know what he, I mean? When he jumped from, was it from all Japan to New Japan? Because well, Baba worked on a handshake deal, and Inoki right. like swooped in, and it was a big deal. Oh yeah. Like he never really recovered with Baba in Japan for that, but his stuff in Japan, like they did a thing where who was the guy? Oh man. Um. God. Uh, Sylvester Turkey. There's a fucking oh, day, yeah, right? yeah, right, Turkey, right, right, right. Wow. They had him in Japan, wow, yeah. and they had him coming out to the immigrant song from Zeppelin, which was Brody's music right. in Japan. Mm-hmm. They had him come out wearing the furry vest and swinging a chain, and you could literally see people like crying to the tribute in Japan. Decades later, decades later, that's how big Brody was in Japan. Like he was huge, huge, and he would have done such an amazing job here in, against Hogan. To what Daryl said, though, yeah, he made money and he was notoriously frugal mm-hmm. too. Like he was the guy known for eating just tuna and pork yeah. and beans on the on the yeah. road. So yeah. I mean, he saved his money. So maybe he didn't want to deal with the headaches of Vince too. Like we don't know that Vince. He didn't want never, to deal with yeah. that with anybody. They tried yeah. to give him championships, and he was real reluctant to do that because he was like, "I that makes me tied to this territory, and I don't want to be tied to a territory. I want to be able to go wherever I want, whenever I want, for whatever I want to make. Period." And you know that at some point you would think maybe as he was getting older he'd like settle down potentially because it's like here's a guaranteed paycheck especially when a lot of those you know smaller companies are starting to die out and dwindle down you know when Vince was taking over so maybe you do it maybe you make a shit ton of money being that guy for a main event run I mean that's why Paul Orndorff basically sacrificed his arm in his careers because he was at the top with Hogan and worked through it because the paychecks were so fucking big you never know that's the, that's why we uh, hypothesize there on that. Exactly, one. exactly. Um, so we're we're at like an hour, but I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a quick summary of what actually got us into wrestling. We have to think about this from years and years and years ago. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of reasons and things that keep you interested in wrestling or make you lose interest. I mean, I can remember when I lost interest is because I was like, man, this is a cartoon. <laughs> like, you know. Um, you grow up, um, and then things get you back into it. So, um, Daryl, what was the thing that actually got you into wrestling? And when you left, got you back into it again? Because this can be a cyclical thing. Sure. I mean, first and foremost, it was my dad. Um, he took my brother and 
me to the Civic Arena, I believe the first time I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was a combination. I mean, I, uh, just because of the nature of his work and everything, we didn't get uh, a ton of time to spend with my dad, especially his kids. So anything, uh, first of all, that gave me time with my dad was immediately awesome. And, uh... And just the spectacle <laughs> was awesome. So it, you know, it, it, it took, took me in pretty quick. Um, it, it, and I may, it maintained me for many years in that, uh, you know, I don't know when I was a kid, a teen, uh, I was a, a decent athlete and, you're He's, a very good athlete. Don't be mistaken. <laughs> Just say he actually was. He's being yeah, right. modest. No, I, so. I know the legends of Mr. <laughs> Patterson. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, it, it was, and, and quite honestly, still is mind blowing to me to see guys ten times bigger, ten times stronger, doing these things that I truly couldn't have even dreamt of doing, sure. even at the pinnacle of of my athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it be Bam Bam Bigelow doing a fucking cartwheel sure. um, uh, uh, or doing like a moonsault. Yes. Moonsault. Yeah. Vader, yeah. Vader, Vader, Vader time, doing a do, fucking him, moonsault. But Bam Bam was the first. Sure, yeah, sure. sure yeah. I mean, like yeah. that, I, I'm going to watch it every time. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, that appealed um, to me, too. So it, it just, you know, like when we, you had those pegboards in gym class or you had the pull up bar and I could do a hundred. I could do the fucking pegboard five times up, down, and back up again. I couldn't do a fucking moonsault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? I couldn't. Right. I, I know I couldn't. And, and so it, that sustained me for a good time. I also uh, found it, uh, just because I like, you know, to stick it to people. Uh, over the years, people, oh, you know, wrestling. <laughs> You gotta be some dumb hick or hillbilly, right, or, you right, know, just right, some right, idiot right. to like that shit. And I'm like, yo, motherfucker, my dad's a doctor and he loves it. Right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so sorry, you're wrong. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I really lost, man. I uh, uh, Monday Night Wars, actually, believe it or not, is when I I kind of lost it. Okay. Uh, uh, I I ch- chose the the WCW train. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, uh, well, I get it. I mean, the cruiserweights were great. Yeah, right. Well, right. It, and honestly, it was more so I was choosing against Vince. I, I just, sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, uh, but my dad, once again, is who got me back into it. Uh, he would usually get home at two, two thirty in the morning and flip through the TV. And one night, he stumbled on what I believe the quote was: "You got to see this shit. It's crazy." Mm-hmm. It's wrestling, but they're swearing. The girls are half naked, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, bleeding yeah. everywhere. <laughs> you gotta oh, yes, see it. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And you know, so so, and he went to. I, I mean, I'll put it this way: I never went to an ECW show without him. Right. <laughs> you know, so and oh, he went so to many good shows. Too. You know, oh yeah, and he went to a few that I didn't. So it's it, you know, it was it was it was funny enough. It was always my dad, um, and uh, and that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
For me, I'll try to keep this short, um, but there's a quite a few things that were like it was a cascade of events for me. One thing I do on reflecting all this, I don't know that I would be a wrestling fan today as uh, when I was a kid because there was something about only getting to see it once a week yeah. for an hour every day being yeah. rather than and not having the internet where you can see, look up everything from YouTube. Like it was like a deal for me to get up Saturday mornings. Like for a while, it was just like Thunder Barbarian, and then there was like, what's the show on after Thunder the Barbarian? Barbarian. My first memory of thinking wrestling was cool actually was my parents taking me to see Rocky Three and seeing Thunderlips. Nice. I thought that was really cool. Sure. So there was a series of various things, and I'll try to keep this quick. I remember as a kid Take seeing the, the Rogers Corner with Magnificent Morocco and Jimmy Snuka, where Morocco busted him open. They put a giant X on the screen, and that was my first. I was like, oh, this is cool, but I really wanted to see what was behind the X. That was the thing for me. But the, the what took me from like just a casual like it was a, about a three month period was there was Iron Sheik challenging Bob Backlund on TV for the title and in the same th- match same uh, card we saw Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas beat the Wild Samoans for the tag team mi- titles nice. which was a great match and I was like oh this is cool a month later I saw Sheik beat Backlund for the title and the you know the Arnold Scullin Talon Backlund I could I wouldn't have given up and then <laughs> but then what took it over was me and my dad like Daryl said watching Hogan beat the Sheik for the title, and we both just kind of went nuts. Now, looking back on that, that makes me want to hurl, <laughs> honestly. But um, that's that, that got me into it. Now, what kept me into it? The after mags. Um, Pro Wrestling nice. Illustrated, Inside Wrestling, and The Wrestler. Because, um, like, again, we didn't have cable. I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on in Memphis. And for a long time, I didn't even really know what was going on in NWA, because all I could see was what was on Saturday morning. So that kept me up to it. And then when I finally did get cable, TBS, the 6.05 to 8.05 on Saturday nights just, you know, got me into the point where my family couldn't stand it anymore. I remember one time going to my grandparents' house and my grandfather said, we are not watching wrestling today. (laughs) So um, I got out of it in the cartoon era of the 90s of Mantar and all that. Oh, yeah, 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 yep. But um, in contrast to what Daryl said, the Monday Night Wars mixed with ECW got me back into it. Stone Cold, The Rock. I just was like, wow, this is really cool. This is some of the stuff that I wished I had um, had as a kid. But, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, you think about, like, I was talking to Daryl earlier about, like, prices. Like, you know, you could watch those, get those videotapes of, like, Lord of the Rings. And they were, like, sixty nine ninety five in 1985. Like, you could buy those in in um, inflation standpoints for what like a 50 inch 4k tv would be today <laughs> it's insane what people have access to now and i think the culture get the public gets like oversaturated sure. with stuff and sure. that's why i don't know that i would be a fan now as if i was then I but honestly, that was it for me i honestly i, I it's hard right now to keep up with everything exactly yeah. which yeah. is which is great as a consumer who wants options but like you can stream new japan you had lucha underground you have uh, MLW, PWG that you can order. You have ROH, you have Impact, you have uh, AEW come in, you have WWE, you have free shows there for them. You have an entire network with a library of shit that like you couldn't imagine seeing uh, at your fingertips. Um, the thing that did it for me, so I remember the first match I ever watched, and you know this one, and you can find it on YouTube, actually. You have to type in all six names, but it was a, it was a Saturday morning. I was at... Um, my mom was dating a guy. His name was Don Dugo, and he ended up being like a father figure to all of us. Like, 
Uh, and he took us to the matches. So like, this is kind of uh, bittersweet because it, it was Don and Don's not here anymore. And Don was a really, really great dude who even after him and my mom broke up, still took us out and did stuff with us. Yeah. Like wow. anytime that people like, like if anybody tells me like I became a pretty good man, I, I that's my measuring stick and I'm never going to be there. So, um, the, uh, I remember he had, he shared a house like you and I did once upon a time. Right. Uh, and, 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 um, I was just hanging out there cause he would just watch us while my mom was at work and do stuff with us. And I was watching a Saturday morning and I, I, f- I found, um, an NWA show Crockett and it was, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat and Dick Slater in a bunkhouse match against Tully Blanchard, Black Bart and Ron Bass. That, oh, and, that just and sounds Dick so Slater awesome. Dick Slater comes out wearing yeah. a big, yeah. like the foam cowboy hat <laughs> thing and they're all wearing cowboy boots and bandanas and they are beating the shit out of each other and there's like blood everywhere and just chaos and the NWA crowds the Crockett crowds were the best them they in, were them in world class you you felt like you were there mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. went ape shit over an atomic drop and they'd lose their Absolutely, mind you know right. And and you were I was just drawn in immediately, and I'm watching these dudes just beating the hell out of each other. And then I found I, I found the other companies, like I found Hogan and Sheik, and I remember seeing Hogan beat the Sheik, and I remember being excited. But some part of me went like, "Yeah, but the big the big dude beat the little dude." Like, sure, like, you sure. Know, and I yeah. was like, I was like, eh. And and all the WWF shows were squash matches with like occasional that, highlights. That's what got me out of yeah, WWE. It, 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 was it, it was all squash. It was all matches. squash matches. Whereas like Crockett, you would turn it on, and I don't give a shit if you don't like them. In 87, I remember seeing Ric Flair and Barry Windham going for like an hour <laughs> with commercials. Right, and it's right, a great match. It's right. a great, great match. I remember that the thing that got me into it more than anything else was tag team wrestling. Yes. Tag rock and Roll wrestling. Express, Midnight uh, yeah, Express. And, and, yes. Like the Rock and Roll Express was the one that really, really, really me got too. me into me it. Me too. They had the bandanas and they had the, the, the double drop kick. And Ricky Morton was so got. And, yeah. and Robert Gibson was no slouch. But no, like yeah. there's always somebody who's a standout in the sure, team. Sure. And Ricky Morton was, <clears throat> he made you. Like, he got the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> and I remember uh, them against the Andersons, and that was amazing. I remember them against the Midnight Express, and that was amazing. I remember them against the, the Russians. The and Russians, that was, that was amazing. And, and I remember reading about the Road Warriors and when they were going to come over there, and then they came over there, and like, and, and you had all these tag, and Tully and Art. And one of my favorite angles was when um, Ricky Morton tried to come after Ric Flair in front of the Horsemen. In the locker room, and he rubbed his face oh, in the yeah. concrete. And yes, he had to wear the oh, that mask. was that was oh, yeah. that's and one he, of those memories. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit! So then it shifted. So the Rock and Roll Express was a big thing for me. But then that happened, and I was like, these motherfuckers will do anything to anybody. Like they don't care. So then I started to like heels, and your heels then were the Horsemen, and the Horsemen were the dudes where like Dusty came in and ran off the Russians in the cage, and the Andersons didn't give a shit. They came in and locked that door and broke Dusty's leg. They they broke Wyndham's arm in a car like they or that was a dangerous like they they would attack people in the parking lot. Meanwhile, they're like they did it to about, Dusty though. They did yeah, all yeah, yeah. in the parking yeah. lot. I remember Make it that. Good. Yeah. They, yeah. Would, yeah. they would, they would mm-hmm. talk about like you know riding around in jets and women and whatever, but they would carry baseball bats and beat the piss out of people in a parking lot because they wanted to keep their titles. Like you actually, they were heels, and I got that they were heels. I still booed them, but I was like, but those titles mean something. Like they're they're doing this because they want to be those dudes. There's guys who will do it the right way and there's guys who will do it the wrong way. But when they do it the wrong way, they do it the wrong way really, really, really well. Um, Midnight Express was the same thing for me. Midnight oh, Express was my very, My all-time very favorite there. tag team. And then, yes. and then Crockett, that company, went to WCW and 
I love the whole Terry Funk thing in 1989. Yes. Um, if you get a chance, watch Great American Bash 89 because it's Flair against Funk. It's Sting against Muda. It's Steamboat against Luger. It is um, uh, uh, the War Games, like Cage, not War Games, but the t- Cage Doom, whatever the fuck it is, with Solomon and all that. <laughs> I mean, your rosters then were amazing. Um, and, and the Funk angle was fantastic. And you had Steamboat and Funk before that with that trilogy. So you always had this stuff. But they they they, just, they they had too much turmoil and they stopped booking well. So I kind of jumped to WWF because it got interesting. Like, I still paid attention to them. I, I watched WrestleMania 1, 3, 6. I couldn't wait to see the Ultimate Warrior against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, me too. I couldn't me wait too. for that. After that, when they had Hulk Hogan running around with that stupid fucking helmet with a fist on it, and they were like, send your good get well letters to Tugboat <laughs> and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah right, I was right. like, yeah. oh, this is dumb. And, and and that's when they were doing the Black Scorpion angle in WC, yes. WCW. Yes. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. So I tapped mm. out around like 91, because they also like, they did the the um, the um Sergeant Slaughter angle. And, and Sergeant Slaughter I loved growing up, and then he, they brought him back as like the Kuwait guy, and I'm like, or the Iraq guy, and I'm like, nah, we're done. So I tapped out. I came back in in 1996 because late one night I flipped on a channel and I saw Sabu against Rob Van Dam for the first time they ever met in ECW where Van Dam refused to shake his hand after the fact, which led to a whole series of matches. But like the triple jump moonsault by Sabu where he landed it perfectly on Van Dam and I was like, fuck, I'm in. And the spring, the, the split legged moonsault and, and like, yes, it was a spot show. But it was nothing I'd ever seen before. Nope. Nothing I'd ever seen before. And I had seen Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, but this was like next level shit. Now, di- well, looking back, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask is better because it was better psychology and better selling and that sort of stuff. But the spots that these guys were doing were unreal. And then I'm like, oh, who's this Raven guy? And oh, shit, there's Terry Funk. And oh, wait, they're swearing. And oh, Tommy Dreamer just <laughs> pile drove a chick on her head. and oh, Through wait. a table. Right. Yeah, and then yeah, like, right. here's Sandman smoking and drinking a beer. Yes. And that, 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 those things. Like, right. that's and, what and, made and, it, so, it was so fresh. And I'm and sitting different. there in yeah. 96. I'm 19 smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. And here's a Sandman walking to the ring smoking a cigarette and drinking <laughs> beer. And I'm like, that's my fucking spirit animal. Yeah. And he's caning people around the time of like the whole Singapore cane thing. And I'm like, this is amazing. And Paul Heyman was brilliant with his booking. You look back at that stuff. It doesn't hold up so well. But at the time, there was nothing like it. And in fact, WWF stole that model to create... I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin is the Sandman, but in better shape than a guy who could actually wrestle because the Sandman couldn't wrestle for shit. He couldn't tell you what it dropped. I watched a shoot interview with the Eliminators and Perry Saturn. Sandman was talking about whatever, or New Jack was talking about Sandman and the Eliminators. And Perry Saturn used to get so pissed off because he was trying to tell the Sandman, well, here's where you do a drop two hold. And Sandman would go, what's that? And he'd be like, motherfucker! Wow. <laughs> White Russian legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd blow a gasket. But that, but that was so cool because it wasn't like, it wasn't, it was wrestling, but it was like, it was a fight all the time. And then WWE, of course, stole that formula and that's how they beat WCW. But, you know, Hulk Hogan turning heel in 96. Like, 96 was, I found ECW, Hogan turned heel, and then like, WWF was trying to catch up. It was the first time where there were companies that weren't the WWF that people gave a shit about. He heard about ECW from the like the 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 after mags and stuff like that because I saw Sabu and I'm like, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. So you see these scars and you hear this stuff, and then you see Hogan turn heel and you're like, I have to see this. But then they start trying to respond. So the Monday Night Wars kept me in, and then I fell out about 2001 with the invasion. 
Because they fucking ruined the yeah, invasion. That's the thing. I think when I dropped out for a while, too. We, we, need, yeah. we could do a whole podcast on the invasion. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have so many things with the invasion because it's the biggest missed money angle in the history of professional wrestling. It was, but, but is that another case of oversaturation? No, 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 no. Save that one. We will okay. do a podcast okay. about okay. that. And put your microphone closer. Okay. Uh, we, okay. <laughs> we, will, we will do that because, um, because there, there are a lot of different variables in there and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and a lot of things that ruined. They could have stretched that shit out for three years and made just tons of money. You still could have had two brands today, potentially. They, they, that was literally Vince McMahon fucking up a wet dream. Like it, 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 for for the dumbest reasons, for the dumbest, most egotistical, insane reasons, it's crazy. Anyways, well, that's where I dropped out, and I got back into it in 2006 with that ROH match that I'm telling you about because I watched it in a pay per view preview. I just was dabbling around, and it's a Ring of Honor wrestling, and I knew that I had heard about Joe versus Punk and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, I'll watch the trailer, and the trailer was the highlights of that match, and I'm like, fuck, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, like that was it, like that ring post spot, I'm like, I'm in, done, and hearing those that crowd, and ever since. I've paid enough attention because I paid attention to Ring of Honor and even without Ring of Honor being whatever, I would come back in because CM Punk, like his pipe bomb, CM Punk's pipe bomb threw me back into that company and I watched that and then they fucked that up. So I went back to Ring of Honor and like I would bounce around and I still bounce around now because there's a lot to pay attention to. So I'm always kind of peripheral. The thing that got me into it was literally, it's funny because if you think about that match, there's like two guys in that match that I really like and one that i like, I understand why he was big. I understand why Dusty Rhodes was big, but, like, the only guys in that match I gave a shit about, Tully Blanchard and Ricky Steamboat. One of the, the first match I ever saw had Ron Bass, Blackbart, and <laughs> Dick Slater. And I'm like, sold! Yeah. I'm a wrestling Although fan. Although Blackbart <laughs> might have been a little underrated. I don't know. Maybe. Blackbart was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, just, yeah. He was well. shitty. Just be done with it. One other moment real quick. Jimmy uh, Roddy Piper hitting Jimmy oh. Snook and that with the coke mm-hmm. and that was, got me into it. Too For sure. Hardcore. For sure. That was a big thing. That was a big thing. Well, we are we are over our intended time again, which I, I guess our intended time. That's good. I know. Yes. Well, it's, yes. I don't think it's boring. Um, anyways, uh, moving forward, I, I, I we're going to try and do one next month. And I think that's going to be obviously a very WrestleMania centric yes, show. Yes, that should be. Um, yeah. Because. The next one will be April, which is after Mania, so it makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. And we've got 35 years of Mania to talk about. I mean, it's oh, the yeah. Super Bowl yeah. of wrestling, for real. Uh, if you have any suggestions for anything else, please feel free to let us know. We're going to post this on the page. I'm going to post it on the personal page. I hope that people check it out. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Doug, for having us here and letting us do this, because he doesn't make anything doing it. He is uh, doing this out of the goodness of his heart and for beer and pizza. Um, thank you, Doug. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. And thank you, Daryl. And thank you, Justin. Thank you, Jeremy, uh, our fearless leader. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, all right. So we will hopefully see you guys in a month. And uh, you know, thanks for checking. Yeah, out. We, we will see you guys in a month. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for checking it out, and uh, see you next time. Whether you like it or you don't like it, Pencil Neck Geek Podcast is the best thing going today, baby. See you best learn to love it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>